Hello, friend, and welcome to the Chronically Well podcast. I am Callie Hunter, your host, and today I am interviewing Adrian Lemberger. And this is part two of my interview with Adrian. You can find part one wherever you listen to your podcasts. Your lungs and the glass, what they look like? Brown glass. Yes. And the people yeah. with COVID have the same sort of thing. Yeah. Is that permanent, do you know? Or do they know? They probably don't know that yet. Um, for me, it is. It's for you. Yeah. Okay. Um, Has there been any for, improvement for you at all? Or is it just kind of been what it is? It feels like it's plateaued. Mm-hmm. Like you. Um, <laughs> no, it feels like it's plateaued. Um, it feels like, well, I feel like there's um, somewhat of a, there's an imbalance. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite strong enough to do the kind of exercise that I might've been able to do prior to this yeah. to, to feel strong yeah. and um, because my lungs can't, I can't, they can't really take it. Yeah. Um, so it's really hard to even push myself enough so that, uh, you know, there are times where I kind of wish like, oh, you know, I wish I could just push through this, but it literally gets to the point where I just can't, like I can barely breathe. Yeah, no, don't do that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Breathe. Breathing is good. Do you see a physical therapist or anyone? Uh, I, I, I was, I started the intake program for an outpatient program Mm -hmm. here at the Shirley Ryan Ability Lab Mm -hmm. and that was maybe a week prior to two weeks prior to this all you know the world kind of shutting down right right uh, so it's probably not like high priority right now not getting COVID is more important than physical therapy yeah yeah right after my uh right when I got out of the hospital, when I was still on oxygen, I had somebody coming into the house to help me with things like mm-hmm. kind of relearning how to walk well. Right. Yeah. Cause I had so little strength in my legs that mm-hmm. like one of the, I remember getting home one day and my friend was helping me, but I stepped out of the car and I went to, to step up, uh, to step up on the curb and my my legs weren't strong enough to lift my body up on the curb, and I fell literally flat on my face. Oh, <laughs> Adrian, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, walking's okay for you now. Yeah, okay. Uh, walking's good. Uh, walking more than like if I have to walk two or three blocks, it's a uh, it, it, I need to take a rest. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I just don't do it. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Problem solved. Done and done. So how's the shaking? Is that better? I think it was just because I didn't sleep yesterday. Oh yeah, that'll do it. At all. It's not blood clots? That's not why? I don't think so. I'm not shaking as much as I was yesterday. Okay, good. You were like blood clot nonchalantly. And I was like, wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) That can't be be a good thing. That that can't be an okay thing to be happening. Nobody nobody other than than like reggae music says blood clot in a positive way. (laughs) Yeah. So good. Okay. So better. 
I'm doing better. I feel like it. Good. So where are, you, where are you at now? So you still, um, you're still feeling the effects of, and remind me, it is an acronym. GVHD. GVHD. I'm going to write that down. Yeah. So graft versus host disease, graft versus host disease is kind of the overarching term okay. for what happens after you get a stem cell transplant okay. when your body starts to reject the stem cell transplant. Okay. The impression that I get is that um, getting, getting GVHD is mm. not, it, obviously it's not a great thing, mm -hmm. but, um, but it's, it is a good sign in that uh, it means that the stem cell transplant is working. Okay. And that it, uh, and that you're not, um, you don't have leukemia anymore. Good. So how do they do the stem cell transplant? Just through blood? Uh, stem cells are taken uh, from this person. They got mine from Germany. And right. So then they overnight them. Wow. Uh, in a like climate. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <clears throat> um, and they overnight them from Germany here in a climate controlled, you know, thing. Mm -hmm. And um, they bring them to you and they, you get basically an infusion. The person who donates them has to get a, uh, has to do a very kind of like a short term um, program where they, they, get medication that uh, makes their body increase how many stem cells they're producing. Oh, that's cool. Sometimes people feel, I, I've heard that stem cell, people who are donating stem cells, it, it's kind of like having a mild flu oh. a little bit because they're it, essentially your body is creating stem cells, which it does when it's trying to oh. bite off an infection. So, that's interesting. Yeah. That's cool. Okay. I, I also, from what I understand, uh, people uh, in, at least in a significant portion of Europe, at 18, everyone is just automatically registered into the transplant. Wow, that's you know? cool. Yeah, it seems like something that should, we should do yeah. here. Mm -hmm. Amongst many things that we are behind. Yeah. Well, so that means, so your leukemia is in remission. I'm in remission. But yeah. you do have GVHD and that's GVHD. permanent, what it's done to your body. Well, some aspects of it are permanent. Okay. So theoretically, the GVHD of the eyes could change. Okay. There's a doctor that I'm seeing here at UIC okay. who is a specialist in that specifically. However, I haven't been able to go see him. Right. They were gonna they were going to get me placed in a new study that he's doing. He's one of the leading experts specifically on GVHD of the eyes. So they were going to get me involved with this study, but then damn it, everything kind of get, had to get canceled. So yeah. right now, uh, for me, the best thing that works is these, um, these clear eyes, pure, like dry eyes. What you smoke or what you, what you put in your eyes after you You never did. You never smoked no. But no. other people <laughs> yeah. may use. And so, but the problem is, is that they, the company that makes these yeah. discontinued making this Why? specific one and all the other ones make my eyes burn. No. Dr. Jane uh -huh. actually makes a treatment that feels really good 
and they make a, an eye drop out of your blood. So he draws blood. They create a serum. They're called, they call them serum tears. And those you drip in your eyes. And it's like glorious. It feels wonderful. <laughs> but it's, like, it's not sustainable for like a day, you know, day. They can't really care. Right. They have to be refrigerated. And, and how much do they cost? Like? Um, I think I generally, it's like 75 or $80 for four vials of it that are about the size of a regular kind of eye drop. That's so much money. Yeah. And it's not covered by insurance. <laughs> of course it isn't. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Okay. So are you still, if I were to put up on the show notes, are you mm -hmm. still doing the GoFundMe? Yeah. Okay. It's still up there. Um, so tell me how people could, could help donate that way. Cause just go to the GoFundMe. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I will put the GoFundMe for you to help continue to meet your medical costs there. And maybe you, maybe if anyone wants to throw in anything extra so Adrian can get some better eye drops <laughs> now that his business continues. I actually can get these off of eBay. Oh, yeah. Is anybody? They, I, so I used to buy them from price Amazon. price gouging them, though? Is someone? It's, I mean, they're, they're no longer made. So at a certain point, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I generally get about five of them for about 25 to 30 dollars when they were on amazon the price fluctuation was insane so i would order them you had to order them singly and this was before apparently i i called the company and yeah. said how come i can't find these anymore? yeah and they had discontinued making them and the guy was the guy who answered was like well just so you know we sold our remaining stock to amazon so I was able to find them on Amazon for a while, but the price, literally one week, they'd be $3 a bottle. And then the next week they'd be $9 a bottle. Um, so there's a ton of price fluctuation. And now on eBay, it's pretty standard. It's about, about $30 for a pack of five. Um, they're preservative free. So like these- That's probably why they don't burn your eyes. Yeah. These are from these say that they're they expire 11 2019, mm -hmm. but <clears throat> they work fantastic. They're the only thing that really feels great. It's just a suggestion, right? <laughs> Correct. It's like I, I'm assuming it's like spoiled meat, Ex exactly the same, exactly <laughs> the same, suggested um, consumed by. <laughs> Um, any advice that you might have for someone as young? I mean, I'm sure it was completely unexpected for your age. So totally. what would you say to someone else who's kind of, you know, like young and going through what you went through? Do you have any advice, any words of wisdom, any places to go, guideposts? I don't know, anything. For me, the, the, I, I, there was a bit of a difficult it was somewhat of a difficult experience because a lot of the people that I was meeting that were also experiencing this were in their 60s. So I'd attend these groups or I'd get on a call, like a, you know, kind of a, they'd have these week, weekly calls where you could join the call and talk to other people going through this. And they were always 60 and, and over. Oh, man. Um, and not that I'm, you know, some kind of Peter Pan or anything <laughs> like that, but I definitely don't think that 
I identify as someone who's 60, 40, oh. <laughs> <laughs> or even, you yeah. know, like 40 or 42. Yeah. Like I, I definitely feel like I, younger. I've always yeah. carried myself a little bit younger and mm -hmm. that was, that was, that took some getting used to. I didn't know a lot of people. I knew Sarah, my friend Sarah, and I knew um, Paul, who was, I think, a couple years older than me, maybe. Mm -hmm. um, those were people that had the same disease. So were we, we were able to talk about it in a, a kind of a less broad way. It was much more specific, although everybody's leukemia is a little different. Um, and that was really helpful just to have a couple, like a couple people to bounce things off of. Yeah. Um, that were my age. Mm -hmm. And also a big part of, a big part of connecting with other people was, I mean, regardless of age, being a parent mm -hmm. was huge. Mm -hmm. Like connecting with other people that were parents and we're trying, you know, you know, having daily conversations mm -hmm. with people that were struggling to parent while they were also healing. Right. Um, was well, really, really important. I'm going to jump to that. Tell me about that experience. How was it as a parent? Like, how did you navigate that? <clears throat> it was really hard. Yeah. It kind of felt like it, I had already gotten into this. So it's, it's to kind of go back a little bit. Yeah, go for it. Um, <clears throat> my, uh, my experience prior to being diagnosed, my life kind of prior to being diagnosed, mm -hmm. I felt like I was running on empty all the time. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what life had become. Um, I was a single dad. Mm -hmm. um, I was working full time. I was commuting to work without a vehicle. So I, I and I lived <clears throat> like I lived in Chicago, but I lived 10 miles away from work, which meant a bus ride to a train and then a train ride and then a mile walk. Oh man. Yeah. So my one way commute was an hour and a half. Wow. Um, so every day was getting up at 630, mm -hmm. catching the bus, then having to go to um, <clears throat> go to work working nine hours mm, that's all and then commuting back i was gone 12 hours a day yeah yeah, yeah. so getting up I, you know my dog was with me i'd have to basically get up walk the dog mm -hmm. go to work i generally didn't eat breakfast before i left i ate breakfast when i got to work working you know working a full job which i loved my job and i you know so that wasn't like yeah. i really loved being there yeah but then coming home, walking the dog, making dinner. Yeah. And then on my days off, I had my son. Yeah. So, you know, and raising a two and a half year old yeah. or a two year old at that point, you know, it was like. That's nonstop work. Yeah. Nonstop work. Yeah. Um, so it was just kind of, I, I literally felt like I was constantly running on empty. Mm -hmm. The time that I had to myself was either before I went, after my son fell asleep, and I generally would go to sleep with him, mm -hmm. or before I went to sleep after work, and I had to get 
you know, I had to get up in eight hours anyways. Yeah. So, you know, I was constantly running on empty. Um, I, I, I bring this up mostly because I think that looking back, I think that not maintaining some level of just um, finding ways to kind of take care of myself yeah. and finding ways to kind of breathe, mm -hmm. finding time to breathe. Yep. Um, I think it's really easy, especially for, you know, being parents, we don't always find time for that. Mm -hmm. And that goes both ways, you know, uh, regardless of whether or not you're <clears throat> dealing with a chronic illness. Yeah. I think a lot of times, like if you have a stay at home parent or both parents are working, mm -hmm. it can be really hard to find time for yourself. And I think, and obviously this isn't scientific or anything, but I think that our cells retain a certain amount of trauma. Um, and that can be really, I think over a long period of time, that trauma like catches up to you. Yes. I 100% agree with you. That's a, I have, I feel like a lot of people I talk to have the same story too. And that's what it was for me before I got sick. Yeah. Mm. And so I think, and I think a big part of it specifically in cancer, and this sounds, again, this sounds kind of goofy, but like our cells don't want to die no. cells, you know, and so cells will end up mutating. Mm -hmm. And that's that mutation for many people is cancer. Mm -hmm. um, so that the, you know, that, that evolution and to a certain extent, like cancer is like an evolving cell. It's a cell saying like, I've, you know, I've been hit with trauma and now I need to change. And when it's in our bodies, that change is cancer for a lot of people. That's crazy. That's cool. I've, n I mean, I, 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 that's just kind of, you know, yeah. And I look back on it. It's not your through conversations. It's just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's interesting though. I don't know, yeah. but I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I don't <Yes>. know. but <laughs> So for me, um, it was basically, it wasn't like pumping the brakes. It was like, just like driving right into a bus, <laughs> 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 you know, like I got hit by a bus Yeah, and it slowed everything down immediately. I went to the hospital and that was it. I couldn't go to work. I couldn't leave the hospital. I couldn't. Yeah. Yeah. Those floors were closed to anybody under 18. I couldn't see my son. Yeah. Um, so parenting changed. Sure. At the time I was just starting to figure out all of the legal stuff as in regards to custody and all of that with my son yeah. so it you know it got really scary really fast yeah. um and you know kind of long term as a parent the things that were really difficult to um deal with was not being able to be strong enough to do the things that i wanted to do yeah you know i used to be able my son was one and a half or two and I could pick them up and throw them in the air. And yeah, yeah. I could, you know, strap them onto me mm -hmm. and, you know, run around the block or, mm -hmm. you know, I could throw them into the pool or, you know, whatever, you know. Yeah. Um, I could I could be really physically active with him. Mm -hmm. And that immediately changed. 
um, my ability to be the kind of father that I really desired to be yeah. and wanted to be wasn't there anymore. And that was really painful. Yeah. Um, I had wanted to be a dad for, since I was, you know, since I was 18, I kind of like had this idea in my head that mm-hmm. it would be really nice to have a child someday. And mm-hmm. I finally had that. And the way that I always envisioned being, I couldn't be. So it, it, it was really, really difficult. Did you ever come to peace with it or? I still struggle with it. Yeah. He runs circles around me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is a completely new landscape for all of us. Yeah. So prior to this, it still was like, man, I'm kind of bummed out that I can't pick my son up or chase him at the park. Like a lot of times I'd go to the park with friends or something like that and they'd, you know, chase him around or my mom would go to the park with us or I'd go to the park and in hopes that there would be some uh, some kids there. Yeah. My son's really lovely and He's is the kind of... Yeah, <laughs> he's the kind of kid that will go up to somebody and be like, hi, my name's Cosmo. Do you want to play with me? <laughs> <laughs> and I love that about him. But there are t- definitely, I mean, it hasn't changed where he'd be like, come on, Dada, let's do this. And I'm just like, I just, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't do that. Yeah. I really want to. I really want to yeah. run with you. <laughs> I just simply can't. Mm. Um, so that's, I, and, and I wonder, mm. you know, I struggle every day with the fact that he, for, you know, most of his conscious life, he's only known me as someone who's ill. Mm. I think if, you know, if he had been five when I got sick, yeah, there'd be some solace in having some years with him, of him having like a memory of me being, me doing really yeah Mm -hmm. but his memory just kind of has started you know memories are becoming more of a solid thing for him now and he just knows me as sick Mm. I bet he knows you as a lot more than that though I'm sure I hope you know yeah but in my head yeah the thing that it always comes back to is like he's only known me as kind of this person Mm -hmm. you've had to grieve for him yeah, I, I think that children are super resilient. Yeah. They yeah. they they adapt incredibly well, especially at a young age to to that. That it I I know that my ability to adapt is is has been influenced far greater than than his, mm-hmm. you know. Um I, I I doubt he thinks like I doubt he thinks about it as much as I do. <laughs> yeah. But I think, I don't know. I think that's totally normal too. I went, I went through a lot of that too when I got sick. It's like, well, I can't. And thankfully it's a lot better now, but like I do remember those moments of, and just, I was jealous of everyone else. <laughs> like you would just see people doing simple things, like yeah. running with their kids and you're like, damn it, you have no idea how lucky you are to be able to do that. Yeah. So are you able to sing again? Am I able to see him? Sing, sing. Oh, sing. Yeah. Do you still do um, you, you that? I, have, I, have, I haven't been in front of a microphone in a long time. Yeah. I was a really active singer 
I was somebody who ran around a lot. Mm-hmm. And so I questioned my ability to be that, that kind of performer yeah. that I was. My thought is that I'm, it will change the way that I perform. Mm-hmm. But I, I, you know, I sing along to my records every day and I, I, do, I do that. Um, is that a goal? Is that something you would want to do? Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I want to get back to singing. We're finishing our record still. It's being mixed right now. Cool. So that's definitely something. That's awesome. Um, what? Yeah, that I aspire to do. You seem like a creative person, obviously. Has your creativity helped you cope? Um, <laughs> and if not, that's okay. Not as much as I guess I wish it, it had. Yeah. I wish that I found myself writing more. I've never been a person who, for me, it's kind of like catching lightning in a bottle more than it is mm-hmm. like uh, like riding a bicycle yeah. where it's just, you know, like you just do it and you do it and you do it and you do it. To me, it's kind of like, oh, here it comes. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and when it comes, a lot of times it'll just like, it, it kind of comes all at once mm-hmm. and then I can work it, yeah. you know, and then I can, you know, work the song and write the lyrics and kind of, you know, um, but if I sit down and I, I definitely have done this. If I sit down and try to write every day, I don't find myself inspired as much. Yeah. It's been confusing to say the least. Everyone was like, you're going to have some great songs after this. And I was like, I don't have it. Yeah. Yeah. What was the last thing that inspired you to write? The last thing that I was really excited about was I was trying to write from different perspectives other than my own that that was kind of appealing to me Mm -hmm. kind of writing from someone else's perspective Mm -hmm. I've I've tried that before but you know I think a lot of times um, we write kind of what we're feeling or what we're experiencing Mm -hmm. and so to be honest it felt kind of good to kind of to think of what someone else might be thinking about something and write from that perspective. That's fun. So is that in the new album that you're recording? Well, at this point, the new album was recorded in 2017. Oh, okay. So almost all of that was written over 2016. Okay. So it's all kind of, a lot of it is stuff that's about my, um, about, the birth like kind of my my time with my son Mm -hmm. when he was born Mm -hmm. um about the that kind of unique experience um there are songs that I and and I don't I wouldn't attempt to um claim to know what her experience was but my experience being a father with someone who was dealing with the aftermath of having a child um there are a lot of things that I kind of wrote about through, through that lens of, you know, living that kind of, that kind of post birth life. I don't want to imply I totally any get kind it. of, <laughs> I, get um, it. I get it. I totally get it. Yeah. yeah. I, I just mean like, I, I, I don't want to sit here and say that yeah. someone had, um, uh, I, for the, the word is escaping postpartum, me, uh, postpartum depression. Mm-hmm. That's not, I'm, I don't claim that that was her experience, Yeah. but kind of, you know, living within that, I kind of wrote about that. I wrote about, in a kind of broad sense, about being a father. I wrote about kind of 
my hopes for the future. Mm -hmm. um, and then everything changed. So yeah. a lot of that is really about pre this. Mm -hmm. And there's part of me that doesn't really want, I don't, I don't, I, I don't feel very, I don't feel intensely inspired by that process though you know the thing i don't feel incredibly inspired by the things that i i went through yeah uh they were i mean it was kind of like evolve or die <laughs> yeah um and to a, to a certain extent it just it didn't i think i prefer to write things by choice and not like yeah by decree right and it just kind of felt like again like anybody who kind of said like oh you're gonna have a great bunch of songs after this it's kind of like I'd rather kind of stay away from that yeah and I think again people are different some people mine their experiences for inspiration and I just uh thus far that experience has not inspired me to to an, an you know kind of we, we had touched base on being a young person you know who is becoming chronically ill and yeah to speak to that a little bit, you know, um, again, it's really easy to get lost in, it's really easy to kind of feel isolated. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So meeting other people that were my age was really helpful. Meeting other parents was really helpful. It allowed me to kind of like, one, not to feel so alone because it's really easy to isolate yourself, mm -hmm. but also to prepare myself for like, every step yeah my friend Paul and I would talk and we would talk while I was in the hospital a lot and you know he'd be he'd tell me I'm back to work three days a week he has two kids he had a wife he had a, a you know a business so for him to be able to kind of talk about his experience and say this is what this other side at least up to this point has been like for me he already had a stem cell transplant he was dealing with he dealt with his GBHD experience, so to kind of process that. Mm -hmm. Whereas when I'd be in these, I'd get on these calls, I remember getting on a call and it was like, I can't remember what it was, it was like sex and sexuality after, <laughs> um, after leukemia. <laughs> and I get on the call and it's- <laughs> Wait, who was the call with? So it's with, it was, I think it was through LLS. Okay. Like the Lymphoma Leukemia Society. Okay. You know. Um, I mean, this is just one of many attempts to kind of, you know, find, because I'm over 40, <laughs> so I can't, like, get in on the, like, young adult stuff, <laughs> like, all the YA stuff. Right, um, you're in, like, the <laughs> yeah no man's land. Right. Yeah. So I'd get on, like, I get in this call, and they're like, okay, is everyone here? And they're, they, like, call out names, and it's like... Okay, Doris. Oh God. Grace. Oh no. <laughs> no, like no. <laughs> like Barbara. <laughs> and it's it's me and all women over sixty-five. No. And you're talking are about sexuality? Who are married. Oh God. And and like people would go around and tell their stories, and for some reason I was always the last, I guess, because I was the guy. And I'm also 40, so it'd be like, you know, the dry vagina is real. <laughs> and I would, I'd be like, yeah. I mean, how do I? I yep. 
Yeah, what would you do? Oh God! Uh, what can you do? Like, yeah. oh, totally, girl. You know, like, <laughs> do they know that you're there? Like, they know there's a man yes. there, and they're talking yes. about their dry vagina. Of course. Well, I mean, and again, like that's their experience. So, like, you know, yeah. So they kind of talk about that, but they were all, you know, I was a single forty-one-year-old, yeah. and these are all like married sixty-five-year-olds. Yeah. Like. You know, like this week we finally, okay, ladies, I, I, you know, I, I didn't know if I was ready to talk about it, but I finally had an orgasm. <laughs> oh, oh, Grace, I'm, I'm so, um, I'm so glad for you, Carol. Um, you know, like I, it was, it was just so, oh, I, I found myself so having such a hard time identifying wanting to I wonder why you didn't identify with (laughs) vagina (laughs) I wanted you know I definitely wanted to support support their experience yeah and uh, be empathetic yeah as empathetic as you can be right (laughs) um but it was definitely it definitely was difficult and and what I found was that I I I through the traditional kind of the traditional pathways that were out there for people of my age just didn't work. Yeah. It didn't work. So, you know, I really wasn't able to go into these Mm -hmm. groups of, you know, 20 year olds. I would have liked to, I think I would have been able to share my experience in a better way. Yeah. Um, But all the stuff that was for adults didn't really resonate with me. Um, so I found myself talking to, you know, finding other people, How did you know, you- finding people through friends, through friends. Okay. Hey, my friend, th- Hey, my friend had AML or through Immerman angels. That was really helpful. Um, when I was in the hospital, I, I, they, I did meet with someone in the hospital that was, they, they're involved in the oncology department, but they specifically deal with you know, I've been seeing an oncology therapist for, for, you know, since I've been out of the hospital now. Okay. And at one point she referred me to a, they were doing a meaning centered group that was based around the book, um, Man's Search for Meaning. Mm-hmm. I've never read that book, but I've heard about it. <clears throat> yeah. It's about, um, about a guy's, a guy who is surviving being in a, in a concentration camp. Okay. And um they recommended you know they said would you be interested in doing this it was like group therapy basically mm-hmm. and i tried it out and it, again honestly it was a group of people all over everyone was over 60 a bunch of but in dry vagina that <laughs> you don't have to <laughs> Okay. The dry vagina. The dry vagina is real. <laughs> the dry vagina is real. Barbara. Hashtag. <laughs> Hashtag Carol's dry vagina. <laughs> Carol's dry vagina is real. Um, for life. For life. L Y F E. But this this group was actually really great. Uh, and I still meet with, we meet, like the group has ended, the group therapy has ended, 
but I meet with this group of people um, once a month still. We just get together and talk and like they're all really interesting. Like one was a teacher, he taught theater oh. for many years. Um, he's a working actor, playwright. Um, there's one who's a therapist who went to high school with Hillary Clinton. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> and is still really connected with her. Um, one is a federal judge. Wow. Wow. Um, so, so like, you know, like everyone involved is really engaging and interesting. And we have these great conversations. Um, none of them had the same cancer that I had, mm -hmm. but that group therapy was really helpful. Um, How just being able to yeah. weekly sit and talk with people. Yeah. Do you feel like even though there were different types of cancers, you had a similar experience as vastly different as your experiences were? Was there some sort of underlying? Yeah. Because everybody's life stopped. Okay. And had to change. Mm -hmm. It's the bus. So those Landing things. Into the bus. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, another thing that I, I found through talking to everyone um, and something that doctors don't really talk to you about um, is that when you go through this and it's obviously vastly difference, different, you know, dependent upon your age, but you are aging while you're healing. Mm -hmm. Ooh. So to be at this kind of, point in your life where for me being 40 there's like this significant change where you are mm. there's there's two sides of it one I spent 40 years of shenanigans you know mm. riding my mountain bike walking everywhere you know running around the city picking up my kid you know or my child you know picking up my child mm. for some reason that feels so weird saying my kid it mm. sounds I don't know, um, but picking up my child, you know, like being an active person, yeah. that's 40 years mm -hmm. and suddenly 40 years of muscle and strength is just gone. Mm. Um, and then on the other side, your body is changing and aging like yeah. it would have Anything. had you not. Yeah. Yeah. So your metabolism is changing your you know your bones are and your muscles all of those things are changing your ability to do things are changing i mean i've been carting around these lungs for 40 years you know yeah and you know thank goodness i didn't smoke or yeah. do you know do anything to harm them prior to that but they're still 40 year old lungs right this is still a 40 year old body that's rapidly becoming a 42 year old body mm -hmm. and then you know um and they don't really talk to you about that and i think that it's a really like when you when you see that it kind of helps you to set up an expectation for what the next few years of recovery are going to be if you're 20 yeah it's one thing right that's, but to get this at 40 yeah that's interesting i even no matter what age, I never really yeah. thought about it like that because it's almost like you're trying to go backwards. It's like you're trying to do – like healing seems – Like you're going to get back to where you were. Yeah. And you won't. No. Ever. You'd never be – what I, like I had to reconcile with the fact that I'm never going to be what I was. 
And that's, that's really hard. And I think for a lot of people with chronic illness, there's always this thing, like everybody kind of says like, well, you got to get used to the new normal. Well, the new normal won't be anything like what you were. Yeah. And learning how to accept that can be really, can it be a struggle? Yeah. How did you reconcile that? I'm not. <laughs> yeah. I, I still am trying to figure that out. Yeah. And every, you know, like, I feel like there's constantly new things, you know, there's constantly different things. I got out of the hospital. I was on oxygen. I was, I had to kind of relearn how to move. Mm -hmm. I had to relearn how to, you know, I had to build up enough muscles so that I could walk. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, we moved closer to my son's mother mm -hmm. and to my work. My mom moved in with me so that she, you know, she's been helping me. And awesome. Yeah. Thanks, mom. Thanks, mom. <laughs> she said, what? <laughs> I said, thanks, mom. She says, you're welcome. Aww. You know, uh, I never imagined being 40 and living with my mom. I barely imagined being 18 and living with my mom. <laughs> Um, I, so I think when like, you're like a single parent, though, the idea of living with your mom becomes a lot more feasible. Also, having cancer, a lot more, you know? a lot more, a lot more feasible. Yeah, like because I, I, I don't know. My mom, lover, she would maybe drive me a little crazy, but she's also like she comes into my house, she does all my laundry, she does my dishes, yeah, everything. Like I could. I could handle this. <laughs> this, could yeah. be, this could be okay. Yeah. Yeah. But along with that, especially for me, it comes all the baggage of like wanting to be a self-sufficient person and having yeah. been a self-sufficient person yeah. for the last 28 years, for 30 years, mm -hmm. essentially. Yeah. Um, and then having to suddenly be like, I can't do this. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't, I can't, uh, I can't carry this up the, the stairs when I used to, you know, I'd carry things up the stairs for my mom. You yeah. know, can you get this for me? Sure. Mom. You know, like now it's like, mom, can you help me make my bed? Mm -hmm. Because making my bed is difficult for me. Mm -hmm. Like, like changing the sheets. I, I got to sit down there. You know what? I, yeah. I hate it in general. I haven't had yeah. leukemia and I fucking hate <laughs> changing my sheets terrible and it is exhausting do you use a top sheet yeah get rid of a top sheet you don't need it but but i have to <laughs> but i have to use the top sheet it's the rules for what i don't know it's bed rules i, I don't it helps protect so that, your... so that you can like kick it to the end of the bed and i know <laughs> I, I know i know for I, I for why I seriously don't understand it, it like top sheet. your body stink from the blanket yeah <laughs> I'm gonna use this top sheet to protect my body from the blanket when you put it that way it doesn't make a whole lot of sense but <laughs> right when top sheets are garbage <laughs> throw them away <laughs> okay okay noted all you need is all you need is a good stretchy sheet I don't know, Adrian. I don't know. With, with the top and bottom <laughs> visibly marked so you don't mess it up. <laughs> Can you imagine? They're, they're like at some point within the last like 10 years, somebody was like, we could put a tag 
on both sides that says top or bottom. And then no one would be like getting it halfway on and then being super pissed because it was on the wrong way. <laughs> True. Like well, how how did that how did that take us until then? How to be like who came up with the top sheet in general? I don't know. I don't even want to talk about top sheets. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, sort I'm of intrigued up. by the top sheet conversation now. You got me. I, sh- I, sh- I shouldn't have brought it up because <laughs> I hate them. No. Top sheets, zucchini, <laughs> Lizzo, hot take, I know. Um, <laughs> um, coffee is garbage. Um, um, no. <laughs> <laughs> what do you um, drink in the morning? Water. I drink water like it's going out of style (laughs) but you have to your body makes you have to oh i mean that's it's not a bad thing to have to drink instead of open here on that does it say take on me (laughs) (laughs) you keep stumping me with that what oh there it is (laughs) (laughs) anyways yes uh top sheets aside (laughs) <laughs> which is how they end up <laughs> you know the biggest for me the, the like one of the biggest things was trying to figure out how to reconcile with the fact that I was aging and healing at the same time yeah and that I was never going to be the person that I was mm. and I kind of had to figure out how to be a person that I will be mm. and be okay with that and I'm not always okay with that yeah. I think that continues to be a struggle for me. Mm. But what a great, honest interpretation of it. Because I feel like there's so many people who are just like, well, I'm fine now, you know, I, or, I'm, or I'm healed, or I've adjusted, or I've adjusted to my new normal. But just to yeah. really say like, no, this is hard. Like, this isn't who I expected to be or what I wanted to be, but I'm adjusting as best as yeah. I can. I think for people who have had cancer, um, I think a lot of people who have had cancer feel like you know when they're talking to people who haven't had cancer yeah people will be like oh you're in remission and that's the end of the conversation oh you're better now yeah yeah like oh you don't have cancer anymore yeah and people don't realize like like the not only the emotional toll that it takes on you Mm -hmm. but like cancer doesn't end with remission Mm. for me yeah I don't have cancer anymore like that's not killing me it's like when somebody says like like, maybe this will make you feel better, but, and then they tell you a terrible story about someone else <laughs> that had something far worse. <laughs> like, like you're supposed to feel better because that person had the terrible time. <laughs> you know, like, like, that's what kind of like, oh, you're in remission? Okay. Good job. Good job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, but I, I can't breathe now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. I mean cool trade-off but (laughs) (laughs) like it's it's really kind of one of those things that I think I think a lot of people have had cancer struggle with you know like it's not cancer is gone but now life has a totally different everyday feel Mm -hmm. I I, you know for some people it's a colostomy bag Mm -hmm. you know sucks that's a total life changer Mm -hmm. You know, for some people, it's, you know, a scar on their head, mm-hmm. you know, for some people, it's, you know, there's, there's so many different ways. Some, for some people, it's 
chemotherapy every month for the rest of their life. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I don't have cancer, but for eight hours, once a month, I have to sit somewhere and get this injection that makes me sick for eight days. You know, like the cancer journey and, and, and I can only speak for cancer, you know, but I'm sure for a lot of chronically ill people, it's like the journey didn't end when they told me mm-hmm. what I had. Mm-hmm. The journey didn't end when they gave me medication for what I have. Mm-hmm. You know, this journey is like, this is like, it's, it's, I'm like chronically yeah. ill. Mm-hmm. Like this will always be part of my life as far as, you know, mm-hmm. as far as I can foresee. And, and so like growing into that, um, and figuring out that you're aging while you're healing can be a, a gigantic struggle yeah. for a lot of people, I think. Mm-hmm. And again, um, it's really hard when you don't have that to understand that. Yeah. Um, and it, I think a lot of people who have had chronic illnesses end up feeling really lonely and isolated in that because they have this period of time where everyone cares about what's happening to you. Mm-hmm. Everyone that has, you, you know, like <clears throat> in this day of like having social media, like there can be people from, you know, elementary school that know that you have cancer. Mm-hmm. And as soon as, you know, you're, you're in remission, it's kind of like, better now. well, he doesn't have cancer anymore. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> you know, peace out. Yeah. Like, um, I just realized that we have this tiny little cat that has flowers on him. Um, but one flower. Is on his butt? <laughs> is strategically placed. He's, he's got a nice little butt, a nice little flower butt hole. Yeah. Um, <laughs> for those of you who can't see it, uh, it's a daisy. <laughs> That's the he's a red cat <laughs> with a daisy butthole. Um, the only way to be. Right. Um, <laughs> I I I don't honestly uh know and I'm I'm sure the listeners at this point are extraordinarily bored with hearing your story. <laughs> um, I don't fully understand what you've gone through. Oh. Well, again, if you want to cut this out, I mean, we I mean no, we can talk about me. Um, <laughs> so, no. <laughs> so, do you want to know? Yeah, I do. Okay. So, I have interstitial cystitis. I am in remission most of the time. It's like it's weird. It's like it'll it'll kind of like come on for a little while and then sort of go away. It's basically just like well, for a year and a half, so this was 2015 I was diagnosed, it was like a chronic bladder infection is what it felt like. Yeah. And just sort of like pain, like I couldn't walk without feeling it. So it was just like lava sloshing around mm-hmm. down yonder. Um, and just sort of like a continued, like you feel like you can't empty your bladder. It's very uncomfortable. And it it's like really tied to your central nervous system. So it's like, so you know that like panicky feeling you get when you have to pee? Yeah. So it was like that, like nonstop. So yeah. very like, so some people have said that it's an anxiety thing. 
I mean, it's like chicken and the egg, really. Like, because yeah, yes, you do have high anxiety when you have it because you feel like you have to pee all the time. So it was like year and year and a half before I started having. I took a. I was breastfeeding my youngest. She was a baby when I was diagnosed. And I didn't want to take the medication, even though they said it was fine. But I was like, yeah, like, they'll find out like 10 years from now that something's bad. And I didn't want to cut breastfeeding because I was like, everything has been taken from me right now. I want right. to at least like do this because it's what I want to do. So it, it doesn't yeah. take that from me. So, And what a, what a, what a um, incredibly important part of motherhood. You know, like breastfeeding is such a mm-hmm. unique mothering experience and it's so bonding. It is. So to, to like take that away yeah. can be really, especially with your first child, I can imagine it was just like, but this is how I, mm-hmm. this is how, I, you know, like I built this. Yeah. It was actually, now it was I, my last, it was my last child and I knew it was going to Oh, I'm sorry. No, you're fine. No, but it was even more so that because it was like, I knew I knew what it was when you stopped breastfeeding. I knew what, like, how the bond, it didn't end, but it was just, it was so different. Like, I missed that closeness and that. Yeah. So it's like, this is my last one. I'm going to, I'm not. So I breastfed her until about 14 months. And then I finally tried the medication. And I'm pretty sure that's what put me into remission. I mean, it's hard to, it's not very scientific because you're trying, like, 20 things <laughs> all yeah. at once. So I think it was that it was, I mean, it was a lot getting my mental health better too, you know, like I'm sure the anxiety wasn't helping all of it and the depression and, and I was in a highly toxic relationship, which didn't end until much later, but yeah. So now it, that, so that was like a year and a half, then symptoms started getting better. I'd say I went into total remission probably about two years after diagnosis yeah, so you're better now. Yeah. Cool. Um. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I am actually very thankful for my sickness, my illness, because it put, yeah. it, I think I probably would have still been terrible relationship just dealing with it. I think once I got sick, I realized all the things that I needed to remove and things that for sure. were needed and things that I just, you know, life is. Yeah. One life, one life, what you can control, you should control. Yeah. I think, uh, I think for a lot of people with chronic illnesses, I hope Mm -hmm. at least that the way that like you can focus in a completely different way, Yeah, like being frustrated about little things, just kind of just, (laughs) you have to lose that. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many, there's so much bigger things. I mean, things are so much bigger that you have to actually wrestle with. Like, why be frustrated about things that you can't change at all? Right. So, and and at the same time, also, like, if you can change something, mm-hmm. if you can change something, fucking do it. <laughs> you know, like something that's toxic or traumatic or yeah. painful, like, change that the fuck around so that... <laughs> yeah. Well, and you can't honestly, like, because I kept... I saw so many therapists, but one of, the, <laughs> one of the first ones I went to, I was like, I'm going on a healing journey. And it was so cheesy, but like, you can't, I couldn't honestly tell myself that I was healing when I knew there was something so, uh, what's the word? 
that wouldn't allow for actual healing, you know, like you can't actually heal. Like you, yeah. you're going to, you're going to heal like half your body while the rest of it's decaying. Like you can't, that's not, that's not honest. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, no, yeah, for sure. So that's, so yeah, I guess we're in the second year of divorce happenings, dealing with that. So, but my health has been. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I'd much rather go through a divorce than <laughs> chronic illness for real. Like so much rather, but yeah, it's like nothing compared to what you go through with that. Yeah. So that's my, my five-year journey. Yeah. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah. I know. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, I know. I mean, what's this all about? You know, like that's, yeah, that's kind of what this is all about. Mm -hmm. You know, like you, you, like, I think I, I have to like guess that part of the reason that you do this is it's kind of part of all that healing too, you know, like mm -hmm. part of like taking your trauma, mm -hmm. not just physical trauma, but the emotional trauma that you had mm -hmm. um, and transforming it mm -hmm. into like your power, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I felt, yeah. Cause you feel helpless and you feel there's just so much, there's such a lack of hope. And I feel like a lot of people, like there is, like you are going to be sick forever, but then yeah. it's like the other part that's not communicated to you is like you still get to live your life. So like, yeah. I think that was really hard for me as I was like, I just assumed that, okay, your life is, it's this pre-scripted thing now. Like you, it's no longer Callie's life. It's, the life of someone with interstitial cystitis and that's what pissed me right. that pissed me off because yeah no this is still this is still my journey this is still my life this is, this is just a, a huge <laughs> significant life-altering part of it but it's still yeah. me and i just think a lot of there isn't a lot of mental health support for people make, I don't know. It sounds like with cancer, they give you a lot more, um, for sure. with chronic illness. Like I've to a lot of people, like with IC, at least I got a pamphlet and it wasn't even on, yeah. it wasn't even mental health. I didn't even get anything. I didn't get a thing actually. Yeah. I got a pamphlet on the diet and it was like color coded. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just, I just, oh, that, that, that helps. Yeah. <laughs> and like so, so many people so are, eat more eat more tart cherries and cranberries? No, eat cool. less. You can't have cranberries. That's on the <laughs> do not. Okay. Do not <laughs> eat ever. Which, it, what color are those? Are those red? Red. For not? You could only have two fruits. I can, I can have a lot more now, but blueberries and, and pears, which are the world's most boring fruits. Like. Those are the fruits that my mom puts out every morning for Cosmo. So. We've lost my mom officially. She Sorry. won't. She will be no longer listening to this podcast. Sorry, they're great. They're fine. Blueberries are full of antioxidants, and I love them. But I hated them for a while just because I had to have them. So like, right, I didn't have to have them, but I couldn't have anything else. I couldn't have. I felt. I felt the same way about chemo. Really? They're like, you, you have to do feel... this, and I was like, yeah. I was really like, bad oh, about. Really? I'm really bad about the blueberry comment now. <laughs> Yeah, well, no, I totally, it's totally <laughs> equatable, you know, you, I, I had, they had to poison my body and you had to only eat blueberries. So I understand 
how you could. You see how totally. I. You see how I suffered then. We share the same struggle. <laughs> so nice to find someone who can finally <clears throat> what, understand. What an intensely drastic change for for both of us. Well, really, the lack of pineapple, yeah. Adrian. It's a. Oh, believe me, I understand. Yeah, I I couldn't walk, so. I mean, right, same yeah. thing. Yeah. Right. I, <laughs> Not I, at I, all. I, Not at all. I realize yeah. in the grand <clears throat> scheme of things that being pissed about a diet was probably, you know, not the worst thing that could. Right. Same way with me about breathing. Like <laughs> I was just like, do I need this? And you were like, do I need pineapple? <laughs> right. No, it makes sense to you. I feel like our struggles were a little different. <laughs> no, not, not at all. Not at all. Fruits are a very important part of a balanced diet. So that have to make those kind of choices. I completely understand the difficulty that you went through. <laughs> How is it affecting you now? Do you, what? now can you eat pineapples? Uh, um, I can't have pineapples. Oh, I'm so sorry. Okay. I can breathe again. <laughs> with, without assistance. That's good. Oh, so nice. I used to only, uh, I used to be able to take this little pack around with me uh, <laughs> that lasted for three hours. And then I had to run home or uh, die. Oh God! Um, but I'm sure that <laughs> during the off season, when pineapples weren't available, <laughs> completely a breath of fresh air because you just knew they right. weren't available. Well, and now I can have coffee again too, so it's akin to being able, which to is a garbage drink, breathe um, again. So yeah, <laughs> coffee, the garbage drink of the world. So good. <laughs> <laughs> So, now you know how I feel. I know exactly how you feel. Yeah. You coughed once and just <laughs> changed your life. Yeah, my cough lately though is like <clears throat> it's me going into my head like is it corona? I think for everyone. Yeah. There's this because there's so many people that are asymptomatic. I know. And are, you know, theoretically, you know, you can be free of symptoms and still be carrying it. Yeah. It's scary. It is. It's a, it's an interesting time, and especially for people with chronic illnesses. Mm -hmm. You know, you're kind of like, what? Yeah, I just found out. I was like, I have an autoimmune disease, right? So, the, like in my head, I'm thinking, okay, so if I get sick, my body's gonna fight it more. That's good, but then, <laughs> that's not true. I did. Right. I did some reading. <clears throat> I wish I hadn't done it. Yeah. But you know. You tried and you failed. Mm -hmm. The trick is, the lesson is, never try. <laughs> it's a good lesson. That's, Listeners. That's the Simpsons. Everyone, so everyone listening, know. that is the, the crux <laughs> of this interview. <laughs> Listen to Homer Simpson. Don't try. You tried, you tried and you failed. Not being the lesson able to, is never try. <laughs> not being able to eat pineapples is completely <laughs> equatable with <laughs> going through chemo. <laughs> So, <laughs> not being able to breathe. I feel like we've taught some very good lessons. <laughs> Everyone learned something. They did. <laughs> okay, so I have some rapid fire questions for you. Sure. The first one is just one word with a question mark at the end. Okay. Mustard? No. <laughs> do you not like pickles then? Wait. I do like pickles. You do. My mom has a bottle of mustard that's never been opened yeah that is by a company from chicago that was started in the 1800s Whoa. and there's a mustard museum in middleton wisconsin interesting 
one of the writers for The Simpsons, <laughs> Bill Oakley, at that Bill Oakley on Instagram. Okay. Loves mustard. Okay. For some reason, I don't know why, the Mustard Museum and Bill Oakley, who has an, a fantastic Instagram, constantly updating with one minute reviews of fast food and snacks. <laughs> um, he was the showrunner and writer on The Simpsons. Mm -hmm. um, he loves mustard. My son loves mustard. Living in Chicago, I think people assume that I like mustard, but I'm originally from Wisconsin, so I'm a ketchup guy. Really? I thought mustard was a thing in Wisconsin. It is. Oh. But people here are like, you had ketchup on your hot dogs? Oh. I slap that. I feel like you can do ketchup and mustard. I think you should. Yeah. At least have ketchup. Yes. Okay, <laughs> okay we're going to so, clear it up on that. But you mustard, like pickles. No. Mustard, no. Pickles, yes. I have a friend who claims that if you don't like mustard, then you don't like pickles because it's the same sort of flavor. But you're proving that wrong. What's your friend's name? His name is Rob. Rob? Mm -hmm. You're wrong. <laughs> he doesn't listen to this anyway. Oh. <laughs> None of my friends listen to my podcast. <laughs> Why would they? <laughs> okay. Crunchy peanut butter or smooth? Crunchy. <clears throat> okay. And not peanut butter. I prefer oh. um, sunflower butter. Oh, yeah. Sun butter. It's the best. If you could collaborate with someone creatively, who would it be? That's a really good one. I think about this a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and I've worked with some people that I feel really lucky to have worked with. If I could collaborate with somebody right now, I would, I would love to... I would love to work with, oh, this is so hard. <laughs> Sorry. I should have given you that no, ahead of time. No, that's a, it's a really good question. There's some bands that I really, really like mm -hmm. that are making, I think, really great music. Um, there's a band called um, Viagra Boys out of Stockholm. That's a great name. But it, they're really good. Um, there's a band called White Lies that I absolutely love. Um, I think, like, I couldn't collaborate with any, like, Morrissey is my favorite singer ever, but he's not okay anymore. Um, and um, I think if I could work with someone, I'd want to work with someone who, maybe, like, Jack Antonoff. I don't know who that is. He was in that band Fun, and then he was, now he has a band called bleachers okay um and he has worked on a ton of records for everybody he writes songs with everyone i think it'd be really interesting to work with him or there's this producer named ed buller mm -hmm. who produced a bunch of my favorite records like suede and pulp and he was in psychedelic furs mm -hmm. um, and like before I got sick and when Cosmo was just little, we went to Los Angeles and I met with him to talk about producing our record. Um, and it didn't end up happening, but he was really cool. And he's worked with White, white Lies. Um, I think given the opportunity, I, I'd love to work with Jack Antonoff or Ed Buller. Those are good, good. Who aren't like, they're like, they're producers. So like in a weird way, like. You could. This could happen. In theory. Yeah. Yeah. Well, 
if I had a lot of money <laughs> to pay them never, to want to. You never know how the could turn. <laughs> hey, is it really collaboration if you're paying someone? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you never know what can happen. You might be able That's to eat true. pineapples again someday. That's true. You know what? No. Steve Schlitz oh. from the band Long from the band Long Wave. Okay. I absolutely I I think he's an amazing guitarist. Mm -hmm. He's they're they're putting out great records. Or David Schelzel from from The Ocean Blue. Both of both of those guys are putting out music right now. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm and interesting and exciting. Um, and they're like right there. So they're your guys. So there's four people. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> I didn't say one person, I said someone. So you had right. a lot of someone. Someone's. <laughs> what was, if you could collaborate with a someone. With someone's. Um, no. What was the last album you bought? I just got a, uh, I just got a record in the mail today. Oh, how timely. Um, yeah. Um, let's see. <clears throat> it's called Let's Play First. Oh, so let's all play first. Fun. It's, okay. It's by, it's a split seven inch by Jeremy Ray and Dakota Floyd, who are in Georgia. My friend David told me about them. Mm -hmm. um, and he had posted an Instagram story and he was listening to that record. I was like, who is this? This is great. And he responded. And then Jeremy Ray responded immediately afterwards, like, it me. But he didn't actually say that. Um, <laughs> and I was like, this is so good. And he was like, check it out. Um, his Instagram is at Jeremy Ray is. Is, um, and it's it's just like really good, really good songwriting, um, nice production. Cool. I, I feel like there's kind of a loose, um, there's like kind of like a, a loose uh, theme of baseball, um, which I I hate baseball, um, but. It's really, it's fun, four songs, you know, it's got a little bit of like, a little bit of kind of um, Americana, a little bit of punk, mm -hmm. like, you know, like in like the punk rock, like acoustic punk rock. Um, yeah, it's, it's really, it's really good. That and um, uh, the new, the new Alex Cameron, which I really, really like. It's called, um, <laughs> I think it's called Miami Memory. Um, <clears throat> and you've got like a, a whole Instagram on vinyl, right? Or like it's a, yeah, not on, Which not on vinyl. It's about, of, about of, my vinyl. Yes. Which I haven't updated in like <laughs> two years. Okay. Like when I got sick, well, when I got sick, yeah. I wasn't at home. So, yeah. and what I was trying to do was every day, I take out a record in order because they're alphabetized mm -hmm. and I have 1800, 2000 records. Okay. So I thought like, Oh, you know, this will take me four years. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and then I was six. So I, I didn't, uh, I had to stop for a while. And lately I've been like, Oh, I should start doing that again. The problem was, is that when I started out, I was like, it wasn't just like posting the record. Yeah. 
I'd be like, here's a little story about the band. And mm -hmm. it ended up being this thing where I'd take like half an hour mm -hmm. to like post. Yeah. And I think I just need to be like, here's the record I own. Yeah. You should do that. <laughs> you should do that. Just start doing that. Here's when it came out. Mm -hmm. Check it out. Mm -hmm. You know, but there's this like completest part of me that wants to be like, and you should know, like, <laughs> or, or like put a link to the band or like, I get it. you know, like, like I want to do this kind of like, yeah. I don't know. You want to make it, like, I get it. It's like a full story, a full thing. Yeah. I find it difficult not to be nerdy about music. <laughs> I'm like that in other ways. <laughs> so I understand. I understand completely. Well. I have one more question for you. And then at the end, right. I'm going to have you tell everybody how to find you and your album Instagram okay. account if you want them to. Um, but you have five minutes left to live. What do you do? Who do you call? And what do you say? Yeah. I know. It's a very personal last question. So. <laughs> well, You've already given me, you're like, <laughs> if you have five minutes left to live, what do you do? Yeah. And then you told me that I'm calling. You are. <laughs> <laughs> you, you could do something else in the five minutes. <laughs> were, oh, you, were you to call someone, <laughs> who would you call? Otherwise, what else? If I, if I had five minutes left to live, yeah, I'd want to spend them with my son. Mm-hmm. And I think I would just, I would just hold him and tell him that I love him. And I think that I would smell his hair and I would sing to him. What would you sing? I think I'd probably sing, here comes the sun. Aww. Or um, I would sing, he really likes this song by They Might Be Giants right now. Mm -hmm called Lucky Ball and Chain, which is about a man drinking to forget his divorce. <laughs> that goes, I lost my lucky ball and chain. Now she's four years gone. Just five feet tall and sick of me and all my rattling on. <laughs> and he absolutely loves it. <laughs> That's amazing. And he sings that, or he loves the Smiths, Rush and a Push and the Land is Ours. He's so well educated <clears throat> it's hard not to be nerdy around you like if you're nerdy i know your kids will pick up on it i know but i think i think i'd sing to him i'd either try to i think in those last five minutes if i knew that i was going to die i'd want to connect with him some way mm -hmm. so if i was really sad i'd probably sing here comes the sun or bless the telephone by lobby seafray mm -hmm. it was a London-born singer who uh, was a both like a, a uh, he was an activist in like LGBTQ rights and racial kind of he was an anti-racist and really just like a wonderful wonderful man who wrote all these beautiful beautiful songs um, and plays and um, there's a song called Bless the Telephone that when I was in the hospital, I would think about all the time that he wrote at home for his partner who was at work. Mm. Um, and say, it's nice to hear your voice again. Mm. I've waited all day long. I even wrote a song for you. 
And it ends with him saying, I love you. And it always makes me think of my song because the only way that I could talk to him was over the phone. Um, so yeah, I'd probably sing Here Comes the Sun or Bless the Telephone. And if I had a little bit left, I might try to sing something that would make him laugh. Aww. That's so sweet. Dear God, everybody's going to be like sobbing now. <laughs> Thanks for making us cry. <laughs> I, I, I feel like crying. You can. It's a safe place. I know. It's a safe crying place. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. Very much for sharing that. I think that a lot of people are going to find it really helpful and be able to relate in lots of ways. So if someone wants to find you, can they? Where can they? I will link all of this, but yeah. Yeah. So there's a couple of things like, so you can find me on Instagram at Adrian Day 77. My band is at Even Thieves Band on Instagram. We're on Spotify too, but the songs that are up there right now are about four years old, okay. five years, six years old. Um, and we're hopefully going to have the new songs up within the next few months. Um, my record collection is A Record A Day 77. Which is gonna be starting back up again, again. in full force. In full starting force, hopefully soon. April 3rd. Right. <laughs> what else do I have to do? <laughs> you should, um, I'm gonna bug you, so. Okay, please do. Okay. Um, I also am one of the moderators on a Facebook group called Punk Rock Therapy, which is a, um, a Facebook group for people who are involved in punk rock uh, that also need a place to go for community, um, and, like a safe place to go to talk about their mental health pursuits. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of, again, it's kind of like pursuing crowdsourced therapy Mm -hmm. you know not in like a not in like a really rigid kind of um like i need to go see a psychiatrist but in just kind of like a i need to connect with other people and express some of these things and you know it's people that are it's all through the lens of the punk rock community Mm -hmm. which is a community of a lot of people who for all practical purposes, they've gone through a lot. It's a lot of people who are disenfranchised, whether that's people who are queer or people that are um, of color mm-hmm. or, you know, people who have chronic illnesses. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people gravitate towards punk rock because it feels really like you can be who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, you can express yourself in a lot of ways uh, that maybe you don't feel you can express yourself in other communities. And uh, yeah, so I, I work, I, I'm one of the moderators on that. Um, That's awesome. And it's been super fulfilling and it's given me a place to kind of also give back a little bit to, you know, to others, mm-hmm. to share some of my experiences yeah. uh, like this. And it's kind of like my, what, you know, yeah. like what this is to you. Mm-hmm. That's for me, that's what that's been. It's been a really great place to kind of connect and communicate and hopefully be somewhat of a mentor or a, you know, a helper. 
in some way. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's punk rock therapy. You can just search for it on Facebook. Thank you. This was super fun. Thank you so much for listening today, friend. I really hope that you found Adrian's story as inspiring as I did. If you'd like to find out more about Adrian or connect with him, you can find him over on Instagram at Even Thieves Band. It's at E-V-E-N-T-H-I-E-V-E-S Band. He would love to hear from you. And remember, if you are still interested in coaching, I have a link at the bottom of the show notes to do some chronic wellness coaching with you look into those options and for all of my listeners from here on out because you are all near and dear to my heart you will get 10% off if you state that you're a podcast listener so thanks so much for listening friends and remember to live your life chronically well